just so that it does not go by you, um, I wanted to let you know that you are singing Scripture. Uh, Psalm 145, verses 1 through 7. I love singing the Psalms because I love the idea of just singing Scripture. If you will open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. Our text this morning is um, Genesis 11, uh, verses 1 through 9. Please give your attention to God's holy word. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they, and they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to, uh, in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have one language. And this is the only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there come down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, your word would uh, would not be babble, would not be confusing, but rather that uh, your word would fall on fertile ears and fertile hearts. And I pray that uh, your word would change us, make us more like Jesus Christ. Help us to trust in you wholeheartedly, even in our life seems to be spinning out of our control, help us to always remember that life is never in our control, but it is always in your hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've said many times uh, in different sermons that I became a Christian while reading the New Testament in college. And what I learned was not so much about God. Rather, what I learned from reading the New Testament was a whole lot about me. I met myself in the Scriptures, and it was ugly. It may be tempting to think this series on the book of Genesis is so far removed from our time and our culture that it has very little to say to us. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Tower of Babel is one of those passage, passages where we meet ourselves. And it is ugly. Before we begin looking at this passage and how it reflects our ugliness, I need to clarify one point, And that is uh, Genesis 11 verses 1 through 9 describes the origin of languages. But you will remember last week that uh, the different peoples 
um, and the different languages and the different places where they lived were described in chapter 10. In other words, they were described in chapter 10 before we come to the Tower of Babel. Um, so, for instance, you could look at uh, Genesis 10, verse 5, where it says, From these the coastland people spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their nations. And we could also look at Genesis uh, 10.20 and also 10.31 where it says the same thing, that they spread out, lived by themselves with their own language. Um, but then we come to Genesis chapter 11 verse 1 and it says now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And we also find that they were congregating in one place. Uh, so what's, what's happening here? Well, what's happening here, and it's very obvious, uh, Moses, when he wrote Genesis, he did not put these two accounts, the accounts of the, of the descendants of, of uh, Noah's sons as they spread out, uh, and the account of Babel in chronological order. First, he described the spread of the peoples and their different languages in chapter 10. And then he described the origin of their dispersion and of their languages in chapter 11. So, chronologically speaking, Noah's sons were uh, living in one place, and then their sons' sons began to began to leave that place, and they went over to um, the plains of Shinar, uh, which is modern-day um, Iraq, and they began to settle there. Um, and then they began building the Tower of Babel. God dispersed them. And uh, then the rest of, of uh, chapter 10. So chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel should be inserted somewhere in chapter 10. Uh, and what's happening here, and the reason that Moses included the, the uh, Tower of Babel after chapter 10, is God told, told Noah in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1 to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. And so then he goes on and describes in chapter 10 how, how they did that. Uh, and it was happening as peoples and languages multiplied. And it looked like a simple fulfillment of God's commands. It looked like they were being obedient. But Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, tells us that they were not obedient. That they were not spreading out and filling the earth. Rather, they were gathering together. They were clustering. And God came down and shattered their disobedience and made their clustering impossible. He confused their language and broke humanity up into many peoples and languages and had them spread out from there. So... Um, that is uh, how I'm going to be treating the text. Uh, but I want us to look really at the details of this text. And I want it to be a mirror for us whereby we uh, can look at ourselves up against the righteousness of God. After, um, as I said, the, Noah's descendants, they uh, began to find a fertile place to live. They found that in the land of Shinar, uh, modern-day Iraq. And actually, they settled between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Uh, 
Um, modern day Iraq is, uh, was uh, ancient Babylon. And so they settled what in the place that eventually became Babylon. There they decided to build a city. That area, uh, if you know the geology of that area, uh, probably some of the men in our congregation have may have served uh, in our rock in the past ten years. Um, but they don't have a whole lot of stones that can be used in masonry. So they learned to make brick and mortar. And then they used these bricks to begin to build fortified cities, to build walls for protection. It's easy to overlook just how important this city would be to these peoples. The walls of a city gave them protection from the wild beasts. Plus, as they are congregating in the city, they can engage in, in forms of trade so they don't have to rely on growing crops to feed their families. And then they're given this sense of security that comes with being uh, congregated with other people. And this sense of security uh, continues to be very important. We want to have a sense of security. We want to know that our families will be safe and that their futures are bright. Uh, we want to know that even though bad things happen in this world from time to time, that we'll be okay in the end. Therefore, we want to have a sense that we're in control. Because how can we really know that everything will be okay in the end if we can have no say in it? Even Christians who believe in the sovereignty of God often struggle in this area with this desire to be in control. They're willing to trust God. But then when life spins out of control and they have no control, then their trust in God is really tested. They want something that they can hang on to. And they want to play some part in the process. They want something that feels like a security blanket. You may be surprised to hear me say this, but you have no guarantees that, any, that everything uh, in this life will be okay. I'll go further. You have no guarantees that anything will be okay. Tragedy may strike you in a moment. Disaster may overcome your family before this day ends. Calamity and ruin may overrun our entire nation. And there might not be anything that you can do about it or even slow it down. Only an immature Christian faith says that everything will be okay in the end. Christians are not immune from pain and tragedy. Your faith, your obedience, not even your love for God can shield you from heartbreaking circumstances. There's nothing that you can do to shield yourself from these things. When I say that your life, that everything might not be 
okay in the end. Actually, there's a further end that we all as Christians can look to. When everything is in God's hands, we can know that no matter what happens, no matter the tragedy, no matter the difficult circumstances, no matter the pain, that ultimately, because all things are in God's hands, all things will be good in the end. Your life is in the hands of God. He is the only one who is ultimately in control of your life. And He sovereignly sends tragedies into the lives of His children. You can trust Him even when you have no idea what He is doing or why He is doing it. You can trust that He loves you. And you can trust that He has a perfectly good and righteous reason for doing what He's doing. But there is nothing you can, avoid, you can do to avoid His will for your life. So I'm addressing specifically when I say that everything won't come out, everything uh, won't come out uh, in the end the way you want it to. Um, I'm addressing specifically people who want it to come out the way they want it to come out. And Noah's descendants thought that they could control their own destiny, that they could provide for their own security by gathering together and building a fortified city. And in so doing, they left no room in their hearts to trust God for their security and their destiny. Let me ask you, are you a control freak? Are you carefully crafting the circumstances of your life to bring about your desired outcome? Are you able to trust God cheerfully when circumstances are going against your desires? And the most dangerous form of this desire to be in control happens when a person thinks that they can manipulate God to make sure that God will bless them. People do this all the time. They think, if I do nice things for other people, if I obey God, if I go to church, if I give so much into the offering plate, um, then God will surely bless me in return. And this is what's happening with the Tower of Babel. Uh, this tower that they built, um, they were building as a way to catch the notice of God. This tower, um, or their goal was to build this tower up to the heavens. Surely if they build such a grand tower for God, then God will bless them. The archaeologists have found the remains of these types of towers uh, in Iraq. They call them ziggurats. I'm sure you've heard of them. Um, it's entirely possible that they have found the remains of the Tower of Babel. Both conservative and liberal uh, scholars and archaeologists actually believe that they have found the remains of the uh, Tower of Babel. Um, and they've also found writings about these towers, and these towers were built to appease the deity, uh, to, or to appease God. So again, what about you? How much of your faithfulness is motivated by your own personal desire for happiness and security? If this is the reason why you are seeking to obey God, 
so that He will bring you happy circumstances. This is a form of manipulation. This is a form of mocking God. You cannot put a rope on God and try and control Him by your actions. It's a very dangerous strategy. What do people do when security is their chief goal? What they typically do is they try and gain more power so that they can actually be in control of their circumstances. And again, that's what the people of Babel were trying to do. They wanted to become more powerful. So you find them saying in verse 4, Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. See, they want to be, they want to be the world's superpower. Because power leads to security. That's why we know instinctively that bullies are really just insecure people trying to project their power. They wouldn't need to project their power if inwardly they were secure about themselves. Now, a lot of the commentators also pointed out that the people who built the Tower of Babel were, uh, were very arrogant people. And that's true. But their arrogance was really rooted in their insecurity. And I believe that most displays of arrogance are really people grasping after security. So let me reiterate. There is no security in this life except in God. Yet mankind is, is prepared to, glo- to, to, to clutch it at every misleading hope, every delusion... They're they're so eager to put their faith in anything that is offered, however flimsy, however lacking in authority. I'm going to put my hope in a palm reader. I'm going to put my hope in astrology. I'm going to put my hope in my money. I'm going to put my hope in my job. All these things. And we try and grasp after uh, these things to make it our security. And it's a chasing after the wind. They do these things rather than trust in God or to believe His wisdom that is contained in this book, His Holy Word. Where is your trust? Where is your security? If it's in your family, it's a chasing after the wind. If it's in any other person, it's a chasing after the wind. Hopefully, most of you here this morning are old enough and mature enough to know that you can't trust in another person ultimately. And you can't trust in any set of circumstances ultimately. That you can't trust in any set of future physical circumstances that really the only trust that is sure, the only trust that you can actually grasp onto is trusting God and trusting God who loved you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die a horrible death on the cross for sinners. Of Babel began building their tower that would reach up into the heavens in order that God might take notice. Well, we find out in verse 5 that God did indeed take notice. 
In verse 5 it says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. There's a bit of uh, divine humor here. Uh, the top of the tower is supposed to reach to heaven. So God's just not looking at it from heaven. The Bible says that He had to leave heaven and come down to see it. It was so far below Him. In other words, God is mocking man's efforts to try and raise himself up to God's, um, to God's place. And that's what we often do. We try and raise ourselves up. We try and bring God down and meet Him somewhere in the middle. This is work salvation. I'll do my part and God will do His part and hopefully we'll, we'll meet in the middle. That's awful. You cannot bring God down. But God in His grace sent His Son Jesus Christ down here to earth and took on human flesh. He became like us because there is no way we could ever rise to Him. He obeyed God perfectly. He obeyed every jot and every tittle of the law of God His entire life. Because we could never, by our obedience, rise up. There's this infinite gulf between where we are and where God is. And our Lord Jesus Christ was able to span that gap completely, totally, by His righteousness. It is only through Jesus that you are able to meet God and it's because God sent Jesus down to us. Well, God came down. He saw the Tower of Babel. At this point, you would expect God's judgment. Uh, and mankind has disobeyed God. Mankind is clustering rather than spreading out and filling the earth. And so God does bring judgment. Look at verse 7. Uh, God says, and notice the Trinity here, Come, let us, God speaking of Himself in the plural, go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And so then in verse 8, So the Lord dispersed them from... And, and they left off. I'm sorry. And the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. So here God is judging them, but it is not pure justice. In fact, there's a lot of grace mixed in here because God is saving them from their from themselves. Verse six, God says that He allowed them to continue in their efforts that they would become more and more self-sufficient in their thinking. So verse 6, The Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. You see that? God is dispersing them because of His grace. He knows that the worst thing for humanity is for them to lose sight of their need for God. 
I like what Sidney Gradana says about this verse. He says, Because of His faithfulness and grace, God intervened to foil their foolish plans for attaining their own salvation. If the whole human race remained united in the proud attempt to take its destiny into its own hands and by its man-centered efforts to seize the reins of history, there would be no limit to its unrestrained rebellion against God. God dispersed them to save them from from themselves. Um, God separated man into different languages. He separated them uh, onto different continents, into different nations. And God in His grace will keep us separated so that we will not ultimately unite in our rebellion against God. The United Nations is trying to unite us all into one secular culture. I'm here to tell you, on my reading of the, the Word of God, I don't think it will ever happen. God will not let it happen. Because He knows that if humanity is united in their, uh, is united, their first goal will to become self-sufficient. And God will not let anything undermine the Gospel. But God does have a plan for the unification of all nations. He has a plan for the unification of all peoples and all languages. Listen to Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. The, the Apostle John says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ will break down every dividing wall that separates peoples. People from every race, people from every nation, people from every language will gather together and worship Him. And right after God separated um, people at at the Tower of Babel, you know what He began doing? He began pursuing this unity. If you peek ahead from Genesis 11 into Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, you'll see how God begins doing it. And now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. See, the peoples wanted a great name for themselves. And God says to Abram, I will make your name great. And then He says, uh, So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And from Abraham, came our Lord Jesus Christ. And 50 days after our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, uh, He sent His Holy Spirit as Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. And you know what began to happen as the Holy Spirit was poured out and as Christ was proclaimed by Peter? People began speaking. And uh, different, uh, people from different nations 
um, who spoke different languages began all to hear the gospel in their own languages. And God was worshipped and Christ was proclaimed. The day of Pentecost was a reversal of the judgment at the Tower of Babel. And it was a major first step. It was a major step forward in God's plan to reclaim the nations through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, even as we are praying and longing for the salvation of every person who is here in this congregation, so we are also longing for the salvation of the nations. I pray that Christ would reclaim for Himself people from every tribe, from every nation, from every race, from every language. People uh, to love Him, to worship Him, to glorify Him. We look forward to that day when there will be nothing that hinders us or separates us as peoples, but that we will with one voice and with one heart worship Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.